nowhere close to a full house, but they made plenty of noise and made a big difference in this game. It's been great to see. Throws it on front. Dumba scores! Dumba beats the clock, and Minnesota beats L.A. The win streak is six. Two on one. Kane delays. He'll drag it. His shot. He scores! That's hockey, baby! That's 400 for Patrick Kane! This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Our Line Starts Fueled by Duncan. I am joined today by Patrick Sharp and the one and only Brian Boucher greeting us with his presence today. Bouch, good to see you. Yeah, it's great to uh, great to be with you guys. They, you know, they finally let me out of my my cage. I can join you guys and and do this podcast. It's been like forever since I've been in the studio, but if we got to do it this way, it's all good for me. Exactly. Yeah, it has been forever, but I, I do want to talk to you, Bruce, because you've had you know one of the most unique experiences of all of us. You were in the bubble last year during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Did an outstanding job. You go home for a couple months, and then boom, you're right back on the road. But no fans in the buildings. What has it been like for you to be a part of you know in these arenas and these guys are trying to manufacture energy. You're trying to manufacture energy. What's it like without the fans this year? Yeah, it's, um, it's different. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I think uh, we're all excited that, you know, that hockey was able to return and, and the playoffs were exciting. And, and like you said, the guys had to manufacture the energy um, t- t- in order to play those games at such a high level. But uh, it's different. I mean, to, to sit there and say that it's the same, it, it isn't. And uh, you got the piped in noise in the building, which, which helps. And from my, my standpoint, the piped in noise on the broadcast helps as well because – you know, otherwise you'd be like you're in a room just with you and, the, and your play-by-play uh, partner, you know, calling a game. It, w- it would feel really weird. And there were times last year in the bubble where that's what happened. Like, the, for, for whatever reason, the noise that we would get in our headset wasn't on. And it, it felt really odd. It felt uh, hard, hard to do the game. And um, But you know what? Uh, you get used to it like anything else. I mean, it, we, we practice. When you're a player, you practice in these big buildings and you find a way to focus on what you have to do and, 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 and you, uh, you know, you get accustomed to what, you know, what's, what's the new normal. And I think the players have been able to do it. Uh, the broadcasters have been able to do it, not just myself and, and the guys that I work with, but you watch all the local broadcasts around the NHL. I think they're doing a fantastic job in, in bringing it to the people in their homes. But um, I think we're getting to the point where I think the players are, they're ready for, to have some fans. You know, I think it's, it's at that point where they've battled through it. Uh, there's signs that things are kind of, kind of teetering in the right direction. And the hope is that fans will reenter in, in bigger numbers over time. And, and, and we need them. I mean, you need the excitement of those fans when there's a big hit, a big save, a turning point in the game. You feed off of that energy and it, and it, and it really helps the players and it helps the broadcasters too. But the game really is all about the players and, and they miss the fans for sure. Yeah. yeah. Then, go ahead, Sharpie. I was just going to add to that. We don't really talk about it enough, to be quite honest with you, how difficult it must be for some of these players to suit up and go out there and play in a playoff game last year and the return to play and then start a whole new season with an empty building. That sucks. The only time I've ever done it was a 
The first day of training camp was usually in the big game arena at the NHL, not the practice rink, and it is an empty feeling uh, to go out there and compete and block shots and hit and fight and play as hard as you can. So much of that comes from the energy in the building and the fans, and, and I think again, I commend these players for doing a great job playing in front of these empty buildings. The Rangers played well as soon as they had a couple fans in the building, less than 2,000 people, and they, they came out flying and had a great game against the Boston Bruins, so I do think it makes a difference. Yeah, Bush, you were at Madison Square Garden for that game over the weekend that we had on NBC. What was it like, even just with less than, you know, 2,000 fans? Could you sense a difference? Could you hear the fans? Do you think it made an impact for the players? You could, you could, you could see the difference, right? I mean, just visually seeing people in the crowd, even though it wasn't packed, I mean, it just creates a different, uh, a different feeling. You know, I think we're so used to seeing those tarps around the – the seats and you kind of get used to that. But then all of a sudden you see people walking around moving and you're kind of like, Whoa, you know, that, that has a different, it, it gives, it, it's crazy to say, but it gives a little bit of energy just to see some movement uh, in the stands. I, I heard them a little bit. I, I was wondering if we'd hear in New York, the, the guy that whistles there every period. Yeah, I heard you say that on the broadcast. It gives the, the pod band sucks, uh, you know, whistle. I heard that a couple of times, um, which is great. And I know in the game, Yesterday, the, the Rangers, you know, not a lot to cheer for. They lost 4-1. They scored a goal midway through the third period, so there was not a lot of celebrating going on. But uh, in watching the game on Friday night, they scored six. They had the Tuca chance going. And, you know, I, I know as a player that uh, even if it's 1,800 fans, uh, the, the noise that they're making and the cheering that they're doing is, is way better than the pumped-in uh, noise that, that we were hearing for, for several months. So I, I think it made a difference. I felt the difference in the building. It was just unfortunate for, for the Rangers and, and their fans that they didn't have a lot to cheer for yesterday afternoon. Well, another state that's allowing fans um, is Nevada, where the Vegas Golden Knights play. And their AHL team is actually in Henderson, the Silver Knights. You guys, they have a town crier as the PA announcer. It's unbelievable. He comes out blows the horn, rolls out the scroll to read who scored the goal. Um, it was just, it's just so awesome. It's another way that Vegas is being so creative. And I mean, we've all been at T-Mobile Arena for an actual Golden Knights game. And it's just amazing, the entertainment factor. I mean, you go for the hockey and then you get the bonus of Cirque du Soleil during the intermission, you know, it's, yeah. it's really cool. But um, their AHL team is doing so much. Kind of got me wondering if you guys, in all the years you played hockey, did you ever experience something crazy like this? A, a, a clever gimmick that the, that the home team was trying to do to get the crowd into it yeah I was thinking about this earlier before the show and um the only thing I could think of was the Philadelphia Phantom Fan Patrol and Bush and I actually played for the same team uh, it was like a crew of of young kids in high school or college that were working for the team that would put on shin pads dress up in Phantoms jerseys and every intermission they'd come out and run to center ice and slide on their knees and throw things into the crowd <laughs> Um, I see what Tommy Hawk is doing in Chicago now. He's trying to keep up with Gritty at the NHL level. These are, these are things that are entertaining the fans, entertaining whoever's watching the game. It's, it makes a difference, I think. It gives you a chuckle, takes your mind away from the action. But, um, you know, it seems like the lower levels in the American League, the East Coast League, that's where the funnier stuff happens. Yeah, I agree, Sharpie. I think that, you know, that's where they have to be a little bit more creative, right? They're trying to, you know, appeal to a – a different set of fans, um, typically younger fans, more, you know, make it more affordable, more accessible to people coming come and see games. I, the one story that I have, uh, and it wasn't meant to be a gimmick or anything like that, but Flex, who was the uh, mascot for the Philadelphia Phantoms, um, 
this guy, that first year, the Phantoms were in existence. You know, there was no flyer mascot back then. There was no gritty, uh, you know, we had the fanatic for the, for the Phillies, but um, Flex was the, 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 the minor league mascot. And this guy was just nuts. And I remember I got, my, got done with my junior season. So I was coming up as an extra to be with the, with the Philadelphia Phantoms. I'm sitting in the stands during one of the intermissions. And they have this thing where Flex, uh, he, he, they, they have fans or the, the, fan, the, the Flex, the fan patrol there, they throw and they, they, they slingshot T-shirts onto the ice while the Zamboni is doing the ice. And Flex's job is to skate around like an animal and catch, catch these T-shirts like he's a wide receiver. So I'm watching this. I'm like, this guy is nuts. I mean, there's two Zambonis on the ice, right, resurfacing the ice, and he's dodging these Zambonis. And honest to God, he the one time he dove for a T-shirt, the Zamboni was turning up, and he nailed the Zamboni uh, while he dove. And I was like, I thought the guy was dead. I was just waiting to see blood <laughs> coming all over the place. Turns out he had, like, a dislocated shoulder. They peeled him off the ice. I think they put somebody else in a flex costume, and he was ready to go, but – um, oh, the man. things they do, the things they do in the minor leagues to, to keep people entertained during the intermission. That was one that I'll, that I'll never forget. That is awesome. Poor Flex. I wonder where Flex is now. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I wonder, I think they're, you know, the Phantoms are in Lehigh Valley now. And I, I think they probably still have Flex, uh, as their mascot. I think he made the trip from Philadelphia to Adirondack to Lehigh Valley. So maybe I'll do a, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do some research and see if he's still, still yeah, living. Get back, get back to us on that one, Boosh. I want, I want to know. Maybe. I will do that. Yeah, well, he, maybe Gritty kicked him out of town because Gritty just runs the show down there in Philadelphia. And I was sure. impressed with Gritty's antics out in Tahoe, Boosh. You were out in Tahoe, and you got to see, you know, Gritty snowboarding yeah. and embracing the ski life and the snowboarding life. He, he was opera skiing. I mean, this guy's a legend. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just going to say that. We've got the legend in the studio with Jonesy, but uh, this Gritty, I mean, he's proven to be one heck of an athlete. He's more than just uh, – a big furry lovable guy right I mean he's uh he's got all I mean his snowboarding uh exploits I I, I don't think I can snowboard like I know I can't snowboard like that maybe ski but not snowboard yeah 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 he's he's something else a big star here in Philly well we he still hasn't returned your calls yet though eh, KT? no no I'm still waiting I know story of my life Sharpie just can't quite figure that one out um, we certainly look forward to when the fans come back. Uh, there is nothing like it. And I think, you know, we all appreciate more than ever what it's like to have a packed house and to have the cheering and players, the first ones on that list to really, really, really welcome the fans back when they do have a chance to come. And I'm going to get to Patrick Kane's goal, historic 400th goal in a moment. But you think about milestones like that that are happening this season. Travis Zajac playing his 1,000th game. Kane is on the brink of 1,000 games. Um, you know, Dustin Brown had 1,200 just last week. And you just wish the fans were there to celebrate with them. So there will be a lot to celebrate when we do get to welcome them back in the arenas and, you know, make up for some lost time. It's time now for the cold brew check fueled by Duncan. And guys, I want to talk about the Minnesota Wild playing some really good hockey right now by committee. Seems like there's not one superstar. It's a group of them. Who do you like uh, on this Minnesota Wild team that's really stepping up? And, and do they have enough to win the West? Sharpie, I'll start with you. Wow. Do they have enough to win the West? That's a good question, KT. I, I don't know if they do, to be quite honest with you. In that West, I like Vegas. I like Colorado. Uh, I did like St. Louis until I've seen what Minnesota's done to them. I, I've got to think that they finally have a player now that, that they can market as that potential superstar in Kirill Kaprizov. This guy's new to the league. It's his rookie season. 
He's a little bit older, so he's not an 18, 19-year-old. He's been playing pro hockey a little bit overseas, but he's dynamic. He's awesome, and they found something there. He's playing with Matt Zuccarello and Victor Rask. Victor Rask is a center iceman that's trying to find his way in the league, and looks like he's really found something with that line. They seem to be scoring every night and providing the offense. Minnesota's always been a team that checks well, doesn't give up a whole lot, seem to make the playoffs every year, but they lack those game breakers to take him to the next level. And maybe Kaprizov's that guy, KT. Um, I didn't really expect much from Minnesota this season. I figured Bill Guerin would go in there, shift some things around, and eventually in a couple of years they'd get back to making the playoffs. But they're on a roll right now, and then Kaprizov's the guy for me. Yeah, they're, they're playing well, but I, I agree with the Sharpie. I don't know that I think they have – what it takes in the end in that division to win. I mean, I look down the middle and Eric Sinek is, is doing a fine job. Rask is doing a good job. I, I don't know that they're as elite as some of the other uh, teams in the West in Vegas and in Colorado. And I agree with you. They finally have a game breaker. First guy since Marion Gabrick probably uh, to be doing that. And I, and I think, you know, some of the responsibility taken off guys like Zach Parisi uh, is appropriate. You know, he's more in the third line now, an energy guy. And I think that that's that's the way they got to do it. Zuccarello's been great since returning. I still like their back end. I think the, the back end's a, a strength of their hockey team and their goaltending's been good. They have a chance. Do I think they'll do it? Not against Vegas or Colorado. All right. That was the cold brew check fueled by Duncan this season. Be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey, there's Duncan. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Guys, I... Player who has historically played very well against Minnesota is Patrick Kane. We saw Patrick Kane score his 400th career goal on Sunday. It was so exciting to watch. Sharpie, you assisted on his first ever NHL goal. You assisted on his Stanley Cup final game winning goal against the Red Wings. You assisted on his 200th career NHL goal. And I'd like to say that you had an assist on Sunday as well on his 400th goal because you provided the assistant studio with the commentary on what this means, of course, for the Blackhawks. He became the 100th player in NHL history to do it. So what it means for the league. Uh, it was a special moment to talk about, Sharpie. What did that moment mean to you from a player who you played so many years with, won three Stanley Cups with, to see that milestone achieved by him? Uh, it was exciting. I'm glad he did it while we were covering the game on NBC. It was Kane from Tappet and Sharp was the, uh, the scoreboard read. <laughs> On that one, we were pumping his tires all game long, and 
he wasn't really happy with his first two periods by the sounds of things. And then in the third period, he just took over and it kind of blew that game open against the Red Wings. Um, I don't know. It's kind of neat now that I'm in my third year of retirement. There's some players that I played with that are in the league still at the height of their career. And Kane is one of them. He seems to get better at age 32. I know his commitment to the game off the ice is at another level. I know he's thinking differently now that he's a father. I know what it was like when my daughters were born. It kind of takes your mind away from the, the seriousness of hockey. And he can just go out there and play. Uh, and he's found a running mate in Alex DeBrinkett, somebody that he can rely on to get pucks for him, be available in scoring areas. He loves right-handed shot players for the one time. Uh, the Hawks power play is, has been top five in the league all season long. Kane touches the puck more than anybody uh, on that unit. But uh, there's more milestones to come is what I'm trying to say with Patrick Kane. He's got many more years to play. Uh, he plans on playing a long time. Uh, and he's an exciting uh, player to watch. I think what's most exciting about him this year is that there's no Jonathan, uh, unfortunately, in the lineup. No Taves, no captain. And to hear Kaner talk in interviews during the intermissions, it's not something that he really gets too enthusiastic about being the face of the team and the spokesperson, but he's handling himself the way a captain should. Uh, when he says something, the team follows. Now, going back to the start of the year, Bush, it was like, it was a rough start for the Hawks. They just opened up in Tampa Bay during the mm -hmm. cup celebration. They got absolutely dominated. The next two games against Florida were just as bad. And everyone's talking about the Hawks getting the first overall pick. And Kane comes out in the media and says, no, we should be fighting for a playoff spot. And since then, the Hawks, to me, have been the most surprising team in the NHL. He, uh, he echoes the message from Jeremy Colleton, who's been taking a lot of heat in Chicago, taking over for Joel Quenville. And when Kane steps up and says good things about the coach, all of a sudden the tone on Jeremy Colleton changes in the city. Now all of a sudden the, the fans and media are on board with what Colleton's doing. He's got such an influence on the game. I enjoy watching him play. I think back to when he was 18 years old and joined our team, that first practice at the, uh, the edge in Bensonville. He was walking around NHL defensemen and scoring goals. I thought, this kid's pretty good, but we'll see what happens when they start hitting and the game start. And then sure enough, a couple of weeks later, he's doing it in the NHL and wins rookie of the year. So he's an awesome friend, an awesome player, a fun player to watch. And, you know, who knows? We'll be here in a couple of years talking about when he scores his 500th goal, I'm sure. You know, there's so much to digest there, Sharpie. And, you know, you've got a unique perspective because you spent so many years with him on that team. I only have the perspective of somebody from the outside looking in. And what I've seen in him is a maturity, uh, you know, to his personality. I think, like you mentioned, you know, we, we talked about Captain Sirius and Jonathan Taves. And I think Kane was more the guy that, you know, tended to have fun away from the rink is what I, what I saw, but he's, he's matured. But what I've noticed most about him and the reason why I think what makes him great is that it's not a secret that the, the best players typically are the ones that are married to the game and love the game and have a passion to play, you know, and I, he's 32 years old. I don't see him wanting to put the, the skates away and, and the stick down for a long, long time. He looks like a rink rat to me. He, he makes it known that when he was a kid, he spent a lot of his, his days in the rink. He didn't mind it. He played year-round when everybody would say, don't play year-round, you should play multiple sports. He was a guy that zoned in and, and focused on hockey. And his passion for the game has not diminished. I mean, that's the thing to me. Like, even with three Stanley Cups and all of the records, to me, he's a guy that just loves playing the game. And, and the ones that really love it, and it's not, it's not fabricated, it's real – those are the guys that tend to have the most success. And, and to me, I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be the greatest U.S.-born player that we have ever seen. And I think he's already there. If you want to make the argument, 
you know, I know Brett Hull leads in points. Um, you know, some would argue, is he truly an American? And, you know, some would say Mike Madonna is the best. And, yes, they were great players. But I think when it's all said and done, Patrick Kane is going to be the best U.S.-born player that we've ever seen. Now, does Austin Matthews, uh, you know, take the crown after? We'll, we'll see. But I just i am so impressed at his maturity. And like you said, with John, no Jonathan Taves, the leadership role that he's taken – I mean, to, to lead a team the way he has, uh, nobody expected the Chicago Blackhawks to be where they are. Now, in saying that, they've got a tough march ahead of them. The, the schedule gets really tough. We'll see what they're really made of. We'll see if Kevin Lankinen is for real and Malcolm Subban, if he can continue his strong play. But, it, I mean, what Patrick Kane has been able to do has been nothing short of remarkable so far this year. Yeah, yeah KT, it's going to get tough there for the Hawks. they got a lot of Tampa, a lot of Carolina. Dallas is going to get things wound up here pretty soon. But – just to finish up on Kaner, what, what I think maybe is the, the coolest thing about watching Kaner all these years, and again, I was there from day one when he joined the Hawks, uh, I think of him as that little boy and that little kid with the curly hair coming out the back of the helmet and chewing on his mouth guard. And now he's been around for 13, 14 years in the league, and you see the Kachuk brothers chewing on the mouth guard. You see Austin Matthews celebrating like Kaner after he scores a goal. Um, who is he? Clayton Keller. If you look at him head to toe, he looks exactly like Patrick Kane and and his mannerisms are very similar. To me, that's going to be the lasting uh, I mark on the game that he leaves, how much influence he's had on these young American players. And it's really fun to watch from the outside now. Yeah, I, I was just about to say that, Sharpie, before you buttoned that up. But Jack Hughes, too, add him in the mix. Right. He was drafted number one overall by the New Jersey Devils. And the player he looked up to most growing up was was Patrick Kane. And, uh, you know, you just see the joy when he's in the same room as Kane or he's able to be around him. And I just love, I mean, we got, I know we were all excited last night in studio. We were hoping, we were talking about Patrick Kane all night, hoping he would hit that milestone. And I got a little heat on Twitter for it because people were like, oh, you're not talking about the Red Wings. All you care about is Kane. Listen, I live for milestones moments and big moments in sports and I think given the situation we are in right now um, it is so exciting to see Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl it was exciting to see you know Tiger Woods come back and win the Masters when he did like these are incredible milestones and moments in sports that we root for and whether you're a Hawks fan or not the guy scored 400 goals last night and we were able to talk about it so um, I love moments like that I think they make uh, they make the game great you remember them I remember all the milestones I've had a chance to cover in people's careers and uh, it's just fun it's a great story and Patrick Kane is far from being over it seemed like last night in his post-game interview with Edzo he was already looking ahead to 500 he's like oh yeah 400 is done what's what's the next one I can get so um but you guys both mentioned this Chicago Blackhawks team and the surprise season they're having I want to take a look at their playoff odds presented by points bet and look at how much has changed since the preseason guys and you look at the preseason odds plus 550 February 3rd plus 200 okay they're still in the mix getting better Right now, minus 140. I mean, if you had your money on this team back back before the season started, you're sitting pretty right now. I mean, this is incredible what they've been able to do. The odds to make the playoffs, they're right in the thick of this uh, of this conference, of the Central Division. Yeah, yeah. that's when, when it would have been good to bet them back at the start of the season, right? Yeah. Get, him, get him in the preseason when everybody thought they were going to be a lottery team. Uh, now I'd probably stay away from that bet. The value isn't quite there at minus 140 because – we already mentioned it. I think it's going to come down to the Dallas Stars, to be quite honest with you. I've, personally, I've seen enough of Columbus. Yeah, I think they can maybe turn it around at some point, but I don't think they're a top four team in that division. Nashville, Detroit are the other two. Uh, and then the top three, to me, are Florida, Tampa, and Carolina Hurricanes in any order based on how things play out. So if Dallas can get things going at some point, they would be the team that, that could catch the Hawks. But 
keep down the Hawks, and who knows what's going to happen. They'll keep proving us wrong. Yeah, I feel like yeah, they don't really have a good look at Dallas right now. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, they still know Sagan, right? Still no, no Ben Bishop. Uh, so we can't really judge them fully until they get their full lineup. And, and you know, what are they? They've played uh, 16 games, right? And the Hawks have played 23. So that's – my math is correct. That's seven games, all right? <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. Well but, done. I mean, thank you. Uh, you know, so th- this is a make-or-break month for, for the Blackhawks. I mean, we'll know – I mean, even if they can go, you know, 500 – uh, mm-hmm. in, in this month. It, that is a, a huge win for them. There's no guarantee that the, the Stars are going to turn it around. I think we all suspect they will, but um, if the Hawks go, uh, you know, say they win only two or three games this month, that's really going to that, – that, you'll see the standings change quickly in, in that regard. Um, but, yeah, Sharpie, I, I mean, that opening night, I did that game in Tampa Bay, and um, I, I'll tell you, I, I didn't see this coming from Chicago. I mean, I really was – Concerned about their goaltending. Lankinen wasn't even dressed that night. Uh, and then typically that's, that's what happens, right? When you have three guys buying for a spot, there's always somebody, at least in my, in my experience, there's always somebody that in the end jumps up and stands out and is a guy that can, can be the guy that shows he can, he can win hockey games. And Lankinen has done that. They've fed off of it. And, and Kane and Dabrinkit, like you said, they've been a great one-two punch. Should have made that bet early on. But I still think it's gonna. I think I still think in the end, I would I would still say that it, my betting money would say that I'd put that Dallas would be in the top four. All right, we'll keep an eye on it. It's uh, we've been scoreboard watching. I feel like every single day since this season started with a shortened season, fifty six games. And I actually recently had a chance to chat with Leon Drysidel. He's gonna he joined me for one of my off the ice features, which are gonna come out this March. Um, shameless plug there. But anyway, Leon told me, you know, that he was mentioning watching the score, you know, watching the standings. I said, "Are you guys watching them as often as we is?" Then he kind of backpedaled a little bit, like, "Oh, I try to check it out when I can." But these guys are looking at that scoreboard because. Every single point matters right now. It's a fight mm-hmm. to the finish line, um, and it's important. So it's been fun to talk about it, fun to look at some of the surprise teams as well in the NHL, and, and we'll see. We'll see if Chicago can do it. Uh, we have a really fun day coming up on Sunday, guys, that we all get to be a part of, and it's a day that I've always, I've always loved covering ever since I got to NBC seven, eight years ago. It's Hockey Day in America. Uh, we celebrate the game of hockey, take it back to the roots. We're usually out somewhere freezing our butts off in some location um, celebrating this game and, and trying to bring great stories to the broadcast so we will be in our nice warm studio on sunday uh due to covid but we still get to broadcast four games we've got the islanders and the sabers at noon we've got the lightning and the blackhawks at 2 30 both on nbc then on nbcsn the devils and the bruins followed by the rangers and pittsburgh at 7 30 boost you're gonna be a part of that bruins broadcast i mean you're an american-born player what's it like for you to celebrate this day and be a part of all these great stories that we're going to be sharing on sunday yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. I think, um, you know, I grew up in a time uh, with USA Hockey where it, it wasn't the same system that it is now. And uh, so I've seen the transformation that's taken place, um, you know, where we relied heavily on the hockey, uh, you know, hotspots to, to develop players, places like Minnesota, Michigan, Illinois, Massachusetts, you know, you know, these were places that were the ones that you always had. Those are the guys that you were looking to compete against to make national teams. And now it's totally different. I mean, I think the game, um, you know, is, is, is it's, it's, you know, the popularity amongst the youth, I think, it, I think it's there. And I think the, you know, the, the type of commitment that these coaches are, are giving these kids at, at a young age and the passion that they have for the game, I think is showing. And these kids are, 
are really taking off. And then, you know, the advent of the U.S. National uh, Development Program um, in Michigan, I think, has been huge in, in developing not only just good players, but elite players. I think that's something that we were missing versus Canada. I think Canada with their junior hockey system there, you know, they did such a good job of developing high-end players. But now we've got a program where you send these, you know, you identify the top players in the country at 16 and 17 years old and you train them like professionals. And then you have the USHL uh, as a league to, for the other kids that didn't make that program to go and develop and play on individual teams. I think it's just been a great, uh, development process in USA hockey. And we're starting to pump out, you know, like I said, elite players, stars, guys like Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews. It's more, it's more commonplace now. It's not just the one off that we have a great player in the NHL and that's credit to USA hockey, what they've, you know, what they've decided to do in creating this development program and also the ADM model where, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they do a lot of small area games and they've really, you know, got their coaches to, to, uh, to get educated, to learn, uh, how to coach, how to, how to, um, how to create uh, practice plans for players that'll help them develop, not only just to go and win hockey games as youth teams, but to, to really develop their skills. And um, kudos to USA Hockey. It's something that I'm, I'm super proud of. You know, I had the chance to play in two um, uh, world junior teams and, a, and an under 18 team. And, and those were great moments in my life. The only regret I have is that I didn't play for more. I never got a chance to play in the Olympics and, and wear the USA sweater, but uh you know, the, every time I did play for USA, it was it was a huge thrill, and I think it's a, a great day to celebrate. There's going to be a lot of guys in that New Jersey and Boston game that are American-born players that we need to celebrate, which is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that U.S. system is something else. They got a good young player in the system now, and Tyler Boucher, who's on his way to making the <laughs> That's NHL. Right. He's been hurt. He's been he's been hurt for a while, so he'll be making his return March 5th. So that'll be a what, much what anticipated. What happened? Uh, well, he, he was out with COVID initially, which turned into uh, – then it turned into pneumonia. So he got shut down for six weeks. And his first shift back, uh, he injured his knee uh, in his first game back. First shift, he tagged up. It was on a, was on a seek and destroy mission and destroyed his knee. He had a grade two MCL, so he's been out for seven weeks. But uh, he'll come back uh, next Friday. Looking forward to seeing him play. Thanks a lot for that, Sharpie, too, by the way. <laughs> that's all right i did my mcl like five times in my career and i can still skate faster than and, how, and, and how and how many cups did you win <laughs> oh let him show him <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> funny you should ask because sharpie drinks coffee out of his cups every morning and i know we're talking uh, american hockey and we got hockey day in america coming up on sunday probably shouldn't have wore my my canada sweatshirt but i'm yes, thankful yes. for the program as well i played in the ushl when i was 17 18 years old uh, from my hometown team in Thunder Bay, I am from Canada, but I've been in the States uh, ever since then, went to the University of Vermont, met my wife, who's American, our kids were born in Chicago, um, played actually for the Team USA in a Four Nations tournament uh, when I was a member of the, the USHL there and, and wore the USA jersey. Maybe that's not the best thing to be saying when I'm from Canada. I was Canada. like, you did? I did not know that. Fun yeah. fact. Wow. It, it was a quick tournament. We played four games, and I was I was on the team standing at the blue line with the, the national anthem playing, the U.S. national anthem, looking around as the only Canadian on the team. But uh, USA Hockey is, is, is taking huge steps, man. I'm looking forward to the next best-on-best tournament, the Olympics, World Cup, whatever it's going to be. Uh, I can't wait to see that roster for Team USA seems like every draft there's a stud player coming up from the U.S. and they can go through the list of them all, but we know who they are. Uh, they'll be giving Canada a run for their money. So Sunday will be a big day. we got four awesome games on. I'm looking at them right now. I like watching the Devils 
and the Rangers in that regard. The Devils have the Bruins and the Rangers are playing Pittsburgh. I like seeing these young teams that have all these star players trying to take the next steps in their game and, and get better as we go along. So I'll be tuning in watching you guys uh, put on a great broadcast. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Before we let you go, Sharpie, a little teaser there. Why will you be tuning in and watching us? Where will you be on Sunday? Oh, yeah, I'll be uh, sitting in Edzo's chair in Chicago calling the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning Blackhawks game for the first time in my career. So Love it. I nice. can just imagine you guys in the studio in Stanford listening to my broadcast, ripping on everything I say, making fun <laughs> of me every single time, oh, taking yeah. pictures and all stuff. So can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah, well, good luck. We're excited for you. You get to be, uh, you get to be the play, the the analyst in the booth with Pat Foley, the legend there in Chicago. And uh, good luck to you, Sharpie. I know you've been picking up pointers from the good old Keith Jones and Eddie Olchek the last couple weeks, so I'm sure you're going to nail it. Yeah, thanks. I'm going to make sure to say happy humans a few times. Go <laughs> to school on the scoreboard and. You know, make sure I get all those stop it right there moments like Ed's get, yeah, the get the telestrator going, circle it, you know, one, yeah. two, three, four, five, <laughs> six guys. <laughs> Too many then. Love it. Oh, we love Eddie. Well, have fun with that, Sharpie. We look forward to it, Boosh. We look forward to seeing you in the uh, Devils-Bruins game. Again, it's Hockey Day in America. We kick things off at noon on Sunday, a full slate of NHL games on NBC and NBCSN. We hope you join us as we celebrate the greatest game in the world and what it has meant and the impact in the United States. So that's on Sunday, Hockey Day in America. We've got more games coming up this week, guys, so good luck with all your broadcasts. Boosh, man, good to see you, buddy. So can we ah, start to see you back on me. our line starts, what, in like April, May? Is that like the rotation <laughs> we're on here now? we got to give you a couple uh, months off from the podcast. I got like this robo killer thing on my phone. So if I get these odd numbers that pop up, they usually go to spam and I don't, I don't get them. So who knows okay. if you'll find me, you All know, right. well, uh, well, it's great to, great to be with you guys. We'll send a signal telegram your way to make sure you can join us again. <laughs> That's it for us. Uh, see you next time on our line starts fueled by Duncan. Bye.